KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. Governor Gavin Newsom says cases of COVID-19 in California are trending downward. He made the announcement on Monday at a statewide press conference. The seven-day average of new cases is down over the past two weeks, as well as hospitalizations and ICU admissions. Accordingly, uh, we have made progress on our tiered status. Now 42 counties of the 58 have moved out of that lower tier, the most restrictive tier, the purple tier. The state will update its COVID-19 guidelines for Halloween on Wednesday. Newsom also talked about the state's response to wildfires. California has had one of the worst fire seasons on record, and it's only the middle of October. Some 4.1 million acres now burned in the state of California. We're currently dealing with 14 major wildfire uh, fires and or fire wildfire complexes. So far, 31 people have been killed due to the state's wildfires, and more than 9,000 structures have been lost. And weather forecasters say we're in for a hot and dry, windy week. Secretary of State Alex Padilla has ordered the California Republican Party to remove unofficial ballot drop-off boxes from various locations in the state. That's according to the Associated Press. Fake ballot boxes were found in Los Angeles, Fresno, and Orange counties. The Republican Party refused, saying that what they were doing is ballot harvesting or ballot collecting, which is legal in California. The fake drop boxes were found at churches, gas stations, and gun shops, some have paper signs on them saying, quote, secure ballot drop-off location, while others say, quote, approved and bought by the GOP. Official ballot boxes have extra security to them and can weigh up to 600 pounds because of it. Those official drop boxes are monitored by election officials, and there's rules on how often they can be retrieved. Attorney General Javier Becerra is threatening to prosecute, quote, anyone who knowingly engages in the tampering or misuse of a vote. Mayor Kevin Faulkner is urging the city council to approve the purchase of two hotels as part of Operation Shelter to Home. He says they'll serve as permanent housing for people phasing out of the homeless shelter set up at the San Diego Convention Center. These properties will pave the way for over 400 additional folks who have been stabilized through Operation Shelter to Home to get a place of their own. If approved, the hotel rooms would also offer on-site specialized care and could be up and running by December. The San Diego Convention Center has been used for Operation Shelter to Home since the beginning of the pandemic. The hearings for Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett continue for the second day today. We'll expect to hear from all 22 senators today with questions for the nominee. You can catch it live on KPBS Radio at 89.5 FM. It's also on KPBS 2 on television and as a live stream on our website at kpbs.org. And remember, the KPBS Voter Guide is online now. It's a resource for just about all of your voting needs. You can request a ballot, customize the guide, 
guide to your ballot to find a comprehensive link to news and information on races and ballot measures. You can find the KPBS Voter Guide online at kpbs.org election. It's Tuesday, October 13th. This is San Diego News Matters from KPBS News. I'm Annika Colbert. Stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. A federal appeals court says the Trump administration illegally redirected defense spending to pay for border wall construction in San Diego County. And yet the work continues despite the ruling and ongoing protests. KPBS's Max Rivlin-Nadler reports. For months, members of the Kumeyaay Nation have tried to stop the hasty construction of the border wall. They say that the federal government has not followed the law in consulting with them and in doing so is destroying their cultural heritage sites. So on Indigenous Peoples Day, the members of the nation marched to the border wall to protest its existence. Stan Rodriguez is a member of the Santa Isabel Kumeyaay. When we continue to speak our language, that is resistance. They've tried for almost 500 years and we will not be erased. On Friday, the Ninth Circuit said the Trump administration had misappropriated $3.6 billion in military spending to go towards the border wall construction. But that ruling hasn't stopped construction. On Monday afternoon, a Customs and Border Protection spokesperson told KPBS that despite the court's order for an immediate stop, that construction continues on the border wall. Max Adler, KPBS News. People who are blind have had to adapt to social distancing, technology, and other changes during the COVID-19 pandemic. CAP Radio's health reporter Sammy Kaola says people with full vision can help keep them safe. Daryl Horst is blind and 72. He used to ride public transit a lot, but now it makes him nervous. I don't know how close somebody is sitting to me, and some people are very communicative and will really, you know, help you with that, and some are not. He says the same is true when he goes to the post office or the grocery store. Even with his long white cane, he has to rely on his ears to tell if he's six feet from others. I can hear somebody, you know, at the counter saying, you know, can I help the next customer? Or if they're to register, you hear them, you know, bagging things up and moving the cart. These are skills that the Society for the Blind in Sacramento has been teaching with greater frequency during the pandemic, mostly through virtual classes. But Executive Director Sherry Raisler says social distancing is still tough, like those decals on the floor that tell people to stand six feet apart. But they're smooth. So is there a way to have a texture on these things that a cane could feel like, oh, and get a sense that there's a, there's a decal? And remote work can also be a challenge. Raisler says a lot of her students have needed help with new software that might not be intuitive. Horst is retired, but he says he misses the camaraderie he found at Society for the Blind. And they can teach you the skills you need to be independent and not feel like, you know, I can't do this, I can't do this. I hear that a lot and it bothers me because we can. Raisler says if you're out and you see a blind person, it doesn't hurt to offer assistance. In Sacramento, I'm Sammy Kaola. 
Proposition 14 asks California voters to approve $5.5 billion in bonds to continue financing the state's stem cell research institute. Supporters want the money to continue the research, but critics say the science didn't do enough the first time around. KPBS science and technology reporter Shalina Chetlani has our story. Voters decided in 2004 to issue $3 billion in bonds so the state could create CIRM, or the California Institute for Regenerative Medicine. This was at a time when the federal government closed off funding for stem cell research. But now that money for CIRM is gone, and supporters like UC San Diego health neuroscientist Larry Goldstein say voters should agree to provide more money to keep the research going. With 60 clinical trials that we're uh, supporting by, by CIRM and another 30 that CIRM has leveraged, it's actually accomplished quite a bit. Patients are uh, going into remission based on very useful cancer drugs. Goldstein has gotten around $21 million from CIRM for his research. But Jeff Sheehy, who has been on the governing board of CIRM since its start, says the proposal means more state debt when the federal government is now spending billions on stem cell research. I'm proud of the work we've done. CIRM was never conceived as being permanently paid for with debt. It was supposed to pay for itself, and it hasn't. We need to bring this back under the control of the legislature and the governor and the state. Supporters of Prop 14 say the Institute is just getting started. Opponents say the funding is not necessary anymore and should be directed to other issues like education. Shalina Chatlani, KPBS News. 50th Congressional District Democratic candidate Amar Campanajar is apologizing for appearing in a video with the far-right group. He made a number of controversial statements at the meeting last week, including telling the group Defend East County that he wasn't sure if he was going to vote for Joe Biden or Donald Trump. The 50th District candidate is now walking back some of his comments. KPBS's Matt Hoffman reports. And my vote's still open. Do you guys yeah. think I'm going to vote for Biden necessarily? Yeah. I, I still want to see how they perform yeah. in the debate. Recently, Democrat Amar Campanajar sat down with Justin Haskins of Defendees County. I don't think anybody would argue or disagree or, or challenge the fact that I'm about as far right conservative as they come. There was no social distancing or mask wearing. I want people to know that I'm not the only one smoking a cigar, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and we're having some whiskey and just keeping it casual. Defendees County is about 20,000 strong on Facebook and has recently come under fire after some members made threats of violence against Black Lives Matter protesters. But Campanajar said he didn't know that. He told KPBS he talked to the group to dispel rumors about his heritage. I'm not a terrorist. Are you a Muslim? No, I'm, I'm a Christian. Now Campanajar is apologizing. Despite my best intentions, I messed up. I messed up bad. And I should have been stronger. In a video posted to his campaign Facebook page, Campanajar says he takes full responsibility. I reject all forms of racism, and I will assure you that I will never again engage any group that tries to threaten the lives of our people. Haskins told KPBS he too has disavowed white supremacy and those who have threatened violence on his page. During last week's hour-long conversation, the pair touched on a number of controversial topics, including Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett. The fact that the Democrats want the president to hold off until after the election, it's within his constitutional right. You know, he's president for four years, not three. 
that's just the truth. I'd want to consider and then, and then confirm her mm -hmm. if I thought she had the qualifications based on her confirmation. It seems like she's very qualified, so I yeah. probably would. Kampanajar also promised to again investigate former President Barack Obama and former candidate Hillary Clinton. If there was something bad, we got to make sure that we hold them accountable. If not, can we put it to bed? Now Kampanajar is walking back those comments, saying the Clintons and Obamas shouldn't go to jail and everything in the past about them investigating Trump has been debunked. He also said there was a 99% chance that he was voting for Joe Biden who, by the way, has endorsed him. After questions from KPBS about this, Kampanajar announced today that he has now, in fact, voted for the Democratic nominee. I would support strong border policy, which means wall, but not just wall. Infrastructure, which is wall. Mm -hmm. Personnel, because you need people there. Border mm -hmm. patrol, and you need state-of-the-art technology. Kampanajar did reiterate his support for Trump's border wall where needed, and he also again questioned Trump's impeachment by House Democrats. I don't have a lot of friends in the establishment right now. They're pretty pissed off at me. They're leaving me out to dry. That's why I'm coming to talk to you. The chairman of the San Diego County Democratic Party says Campanajar's comments are disappointing and some of his views are not in line with the party. Now voters in the 50th will have to decide for themselves. Campanajar's Republican rival, Daryl Issa, also met with the group last week and, among other things, said Black Lives Matter encourages violence and thanked Defendi's County for being out in the community. You guys were pretty important as, as law and order was breaking down, so we it was hard to miss you. Issa's campaign did not make him available for comment about his appearance with the group. That was KPBS's Matt Hoffman. You can see all of Matt's reporting on this story at kpbs.org. Up next on the podcast, how is San Diego's third largest economic sector doing? So we're doing better than most cities, but we still are significantly lower than where we should be. What San Diego is doing to cope with the lack of tourism, that's just ahead after this break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. San Diego's tourism industry used to be our region's third largest economic sector, but it's still struggling to rebound from the COVID-19 shutdowns that hit in March and are still around now. KPBS reporter Eric Anderson talked about this with Julie Coker. She's the head of the San Diego Tourism Authority. Here's that interview. To date, um, just the conventions that the San Diego Tourism Authority booked We've lost 47 conventions uh, since March of this year. Um, that's close to $1.2 billion in economic impact, over 700,000 room nights that our hotels would have consumed. And again, that's just a piece of the pie. We've also lost groups that our hotels are unable to hold at this time, any meeting convention or trade show. Um, so in terms of the convention market, the meetings uh, market right now, it's really devastated. As you know, we still don't have direction from the state as to when we'll be able to hold controlled gatherings. So right now, uh, we don't have any gatherings at the convention center through the end of this calendar year. And we're seeing some slippage already in January and February, which is concerning. Things are really, really bad in March. Um, a lot of businesses completely closed, mm -hmm. hospitality industry, restaurants. Mm -hmm. How far back have we come? So we're fortunate 
that as of June, leisure hotel, hotels were open for leisure stays. And we saw a very strong demand, especially Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as you can imagine, weekend stays. That has continued through the summer months. And then since uh, Labor Day, we've seen obviously a sharp decline on our weekday business. And that's always been a challenge for us because San Diego has been fortunate to have a number of conventions that were booked throughout the summer months that cover Sunday through Thursday, as well as that business traveler. So we've lost the convention traveler. We've also lost the business traveler, which has impacted the weekdays. So right now we're running about 50% occupancy, which is significantly less than we traditionally do. Traditionally right now we would be sold out every weekend uh, in the fall, and then we would be running about 80, 85% occupancy in our hotels weekday. Uh, so this is a prime convention business traveler season right now that we're not being able to take advantage of. So we're doing better than most cities, but we still are significantly lower than where we should be. How does not having all of the region's uh, visitor attractions open and available to the extent that they were before COVID, how does that impact the decision to come to San Diego? So the good thing about San Diego is that we have some natural resources here that others don't. We've got miles and miles of beautiful beaches. We've got a welcoming community that's diverse and inclusive. And then of course we have our great cultural attractions, Balboa Park, USS Midway, the zoo, the safari, SeaWorld. Um, so that has really helped. Certainly we would love to have all of our attractions uh, being able to open Legoland. That certainly adds to the product that we can offer visitors. But right now what we have is definitely a driver to the destination. Um, really what we're missing is that business and convention traveler. What are you doing to help bring some of that business back? Certainly, as we know as business professionals, as long as we have Wi-Fi, we can work anywhere and we can be efficient anywhere. So why not do it in a destination that has great outdoors, an awesome hospitality community, and a lot to offer. So we have really reached the traveler where they are. If you're local, stay vacation here. If you are in a regional drive audience, we have something for you. But then more importantly, if you are looking to travel down the road, November, December, January, we would want that to be San Diego. And so our messages are being communicated in that way. That was Julie Coker, the head of the San Diego Tourism Authority, speaking with KPBS's Eric Anderson. That's it for the podcast today. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.